Welcome to Podcast 24 English Teachers. I'm your host, Edmund Behan, and in this episode, I'm going to look at one way in which direct instruction in the classroom can be effectively combined with collaborative learning in a functional writing English class on letter writing. Before I begin the story, let me very briefly share with you something of what happened with my English class a few months earlier. I had completed an action research study with Manute University into collaborative learning and one of the main findings was that while many students participated fully in collaborative activities, a minority of students disengaged from the process and appeared to be quite content to let others do all the work. However, when I unpacked their experiences in a number of focus group discussions, it became clear that many of these students believed that their voice was unimportant to the group, that their opinions were of no value to the group, and that whether they participated or not in a group activity would make little or no difference to the outcome of that activity. So, it is now November, some months later. I'm looking at my class plan for this group, and I see that my next topic to teach is letter writing. My usual approach would have been to present some notes on how to write a personal letter. The students would take down the notes into their journals and then I would assign a practice letter for the students to complete. Finally, I would follow that up with a summative assessment of their work. Some students would do very well, others less so. But after working on the topic in this rather functional way, it sometimes felt like the students were just ticking the proverbial boxes. There seemed to be little enthusiasm for the activity, many students couldn't see any point in writing a letter, and it got to a stage where I myself began to feel that I was only going through the motions. So a change was necessary to energise the topic and the class. And that change only came about for me after I had completed my action research study into collaborative learning. As I mentioned earlier, I now knew that I just had to address the reality of disengaged students. But there was also another question that made me reconsider my teaching methodology. I began to ask, to what extent had I perhaps reinforced some of those student attitudes through my own teaching? In other words, had I unknowingly modelled some of the biases or had I shaped the lens through which students looked upon one another in deciding that some voices had value? while others could be ignored. From that possibility, I became increasingly aware of my own voice in the class in how I praise and affirm particular students and correct others. Put simply, were there some students in my class who were rarely praised and seen to be praised by their teacher? And I considered how most those students feel who at the end of the week, at the end of the month, or perhaps even at the end of a very long term, can hardly remember being affirmed by their teacher, be it their English teacher, their maths teacher, their science teacher, and so on. I mean, what must this do to the sense of value that they have in their own voice, and how must it impact on how other students perceive them or value their voice? These questions became a game-changer for me. My focus began to shift from ticking boxes in a race to complete a prescribed course of study to becoming increasingly alert to the value I was placing on each student's presence and participation in the lesson. In other words, on their individual voice in my classroom. 
To address these and other issues, I began to seek out opportunities through which I could begin to reimagine some alternative and creative ways of exploring various topics. My objective was to reconsider some of my own teaching methodologies in an effort to both improve collaboration with my students, but also to enhance and affirm the voice of each student wherever possible. And that's what led me to create a series of lessons with a first-year English class in which I made a very deliberate effort to accommodate the three strands of direct instruction, collaborative learning and student voice. One of those lessons was entitled In Our Digital Age, Should We Forget About Letter Writing? I go into my class of 27 students And I begin by posing this question. In our digital age, should we forget about letter writing? And I ask the students to work in triads and to discuss and share their views within their groups on the question. I tell students that each group must come back with a position on the question, so some negotiation and compromise may be necessary. An animated discussion follows, and after perhaps five minutes, Each group makes a decision which is then shared with the class. Eight of the nine groups felt that we should indeed forget about letter writing, with one group in favour of continuing the practice. Individually, 21 students from 27 agreed to forget about letter writing. Three students thought it important to maintain the tradition, while a further three were unsure. Each triad then shares their views with the class. The key points are written by students onto the board, with each student from the group expected to write one point. Points in favour of forgetting about letter writing, and there were an awful lot of them, argue, for example, that email is free, we save trees by not sending letters, we don't have time to write letters, social media is instant, nobody gets letters anymore, so why bother? Text and email are more convenient. There's no need to buy stamps or go to the post office with social media. On the other side of the board, one group mentions the importance of traditions, but the balance is firmly tilted in favour of forgetting about letter writing. At this point, I'm careful not to agree or disagree with any of their points, but I thank each group for their interesting contributions. Being around mid-November, I then introduce a task for the class. I say, I want each student to write a letter to a grandparent or uncle or aunt on the topic of Christmas. I have their attention. I sense that they think this could be interesting. I invite ideas from the students about what we might include in our letters. And while there were many novel ideas explored, the consensus from the class is that our letters should ask grandparents what was Christmas like for you as a child. The next step involves some direct instruction. I speak about some of the conventions of letter writing, such as the salutation, paragraphing, appropriate tone, punctuation and closure. And I invite the students to suggest why these conventions are important. After taking some questions, The students then set to work to write their first draft of their letters. 
Some complete the first draft in class time, others finish it at home. In the second lesson, I ask the students to work in pairs. They read their first draft to their partner, they ask questions about the content, make occasional suggestions around the layout, the presentation, expression, the handwriting, the spelling and so on. I ask each student to take note of one or two suggestions from their partner, which they might attend to in writing their second draft. This formative feedback also gives me an opportunity to draw attention to or clarify features of a letter that some have misunderstood or not attended to at all in their first draft. Later in the lesson, students then begin a second draft. I prompt them to pay particular attention to the vocabulary in their letters to ensure that the word choice and tone are appropriate to the audience for the letter and to their purpose in writing that letter. As I circulate around the groups, I'm struck by their comments about how long it has been since they had written a letter, their concentration on the task, the determination to get everything right. It was clearly evident that this letter was for a very important audience, their grandparents. Second drafts complete. We then introduce the envelopes and discuss where to place their name and address, how to punctuate it and the importance of making the handwriting clear and legible. Most of the letters are addressed to locations in Ireland, Kildare, Dublin, Kerry, Galway, Mayo, Wexford. But some letters are destined for the UK, France, Australia, America, Lithuania, Poland and Brazil. For the third lesson, we arrange to walk down to the local post office where each student purchases their own stamp, places it on their letter and posts it in the post box. The postmistress is incredible. She praises them for their neat handwriting and reminds them over and over how special their letter would be to their grandparents. Job done, or so I thought, because the magic happened just a few days later when the return letters from their grandparents started to arrive and the excitement was palpable. There were so many beautiful, poignant and moving letters evoking Christmases past that came to life in our classroom when the students shared the words and the memories and the feelings of their grandparents with others in the class. And here is just one page of one letter, recreating time past, captured now forever in words for time future. Dear Abby, it is a long time since I wrote a letter by hand. But because Granny and I were so pleased to get your nice handwritten letter, I decided to use my pen instead of my computer. Thank you for writing to us. We're also looking forward to you coming to stay with us for the holidays. At our age, this means a lot to us to have our family and grandchildren around for the Christmas, which is a great feast for families. Thank you for coming every year. You ask what Christmas was like for us as children. Abby, our Christmas was magical, even though it was very different to yours and in ways that you can hardly imagine 
since the world has just changed so much. Firstly, in comparison to your family, we were very poor. We had very few of the things that money can buy. But we had a richness of the things that money can't buy. Such as a loving family, great and generous relatives and neighbours. And simple but exciting gifts from Santa. And plenty of food. Which to us was luxury. A few days later, after all the excitement, I'm back in class with the group. I project the same question onto the board. In our digital age, should we forget about letter writing? And you can probably imagine what they said. 25 students out of the 27 now believe that we should not forget about letter writing, up from three students at the start of this activity. They're all surprised and I think delighted. We discuss what has happened and then I ask them to write a short reflection into their journals. Some of the journal entries read I was glad we had time to do a few drafts because my last one was definitely my best. It felt so special. This letter was written just for me. My mum sent me a text to say there was a letter for me in the post. I was a bit confused for a second and thought, a letter? My letter has more than information. I can feel how much my granddad loves me in it. It felt great to write something that another person appreciated. I rang my granny to thank her. She was so pleased that I got her letter. And finally, one student wrote, I never realised how special it is. I will always keep mine. Reflecting on the process over the previous three lessons, I feel confident that I have achieved my learning outcomes. Students demonstrated knowledge, understanding and skills, but just as importantly, each of the students collaborated in making meaning of letter writing, and from their experience acquired a genuine sense of the value of the craft and the value of their own voice. If you've downloaded this episode in November, and would like to try a similar approach, the letter writing activity should prove to be a really interesting and timely topic for English students as we approach Christmas. Who knows, for some grandparents, a letter from a grandchild might well be one of the most precious Christmas gifts of all. Thank you for joining me today. It was a real pleasure to have your company. And I'd be delighted to welcome you back to episode 3, so please do subscribe to ensure that you receive notification of future episodes. In the third episode, I'll be looking at the hugely important skill of teacher questioning and ask how we can use questioning to motivate and engage our students in our poetry lessons. So until Thursday, the 26th of November, take care and happy teaching.